Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome back to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. I'm your host, and believe it or not, Christian is actually back. I don't know if people... From the dead. From the dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not your last episode. It'll never be your last episode again. So that's... No, if anything, it might be your last episode. I know, I'm I'm worried, for sure. I'm taking over. <laughs> you still have access to Warhammer. I don't, so it's like... I don't even know what's happened. Apparently the lions come back out or I like cats. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm going to resurrect Lorehammer Maine. So, <laughs> I'm coming for you. No, no. Don't release Jordan from the basement that he's <laughs> No, he needs it. to stay in the basement. I need him to edit my episodes. <laughs> cool. So uh, this episode we're reading the sanguine Ajaeus. Uh, and it is written by a dude, for sure. Christian Sanchez. I, no, Christian something, for sure. Wasn't okay. me. No, it was not you. <laughs> uh, the Sanguine Aegeus. Captain Tetratus Flamit Flamia Crixus stood and waited. The hull of the drop pod was full of warriors and weapons in equal measure, but the space was near silent. Each Marine could have been just a statue, perfectly silent and still. Their armor and blades looked as pristine as when they were first forged. And in that stillness, they waited. They would wait for hours if needed, but this was rarely necessary. With fast strike craft searching from high atmosphere and a choir of servitors scouring any communications, the command core of whoever the enemy was didn't remain hidden for long. And... Once the location was uncovered, the drop pod was released, bringing with it a sense of weightlessness. It didn't last long before the pod's thrusters roared to life, a smooth, even tone that became a rattling scream as they tore through the upper atmosphere. The constant tone interrupted by thuds and booms as anti-air fire scratched and slammed against the hull. But the occupants remained perfect, almost perfectly still. They merely had to wait for the landing and the doors to open. Captain Tetrates felt the shift, the faint change in the air pressure and the pull of gravity as the crackle from the teleportarium died down, replaced by the rapidly rising roar of angry savages. But Tetrates didn't even give a second thought to the green brutes that began to storm out of the ramshackle structures and overturned vehicles that ran to fling themselves upon the shields and swords of his brothers. His concern was with the Goliath of an orc that resided before him, lounging on a throne of wrought iron and shattered bone, encased in great slabs of metal and crude weapons that looked bolted into every into his very flesh. 
raising one of his own blades to point at the giant. Tetrates delivered his terms, his armor helping to elevate his voice above the raucous crowds. Whether the greenskin could understand his words, he did not know or care, but Tetrates' intent must have been clear, for the orc leader roared something in a savage tongue, and the smaller Xenos went relatively silent. In surprising, if rough, synchrony, Tetrates' fellow marines and some of the larger orcs moved to form a circle, ringed by shields. Clear in the center, apart from the two chosen combatants. Half a linked, perfectly spaced wall of finely crafted defense, and half a torn ring of scrap metal, with grasping arms and jeering faces stabbing through like toes through old socks. There was no signal from either fighter, but both knew the fight had begun. As the war boss charged, Tetrates thumbed the triggers on his weapons, and bolts flew down the length of his blades, thudding into the green behemoth and sending fragments of flesh and metal flying in a cloud as they burst. They didn't even slow it down. The major was beginning to slow down. She'd put up a bold resistance, Tetrates was glad to admit, but no human could swing around the great weight of those power fists for too long, no matter how many stims she injected beforehand. The rush of combat drugs seemed to be fading now, her pupils shrinking to a more sensible size and her breathing coming harder than ever. I feel like this just jumped. Is that just me? I think Tetrates is a girl. Interesting. All of a sudden. Okay. Yeah. That's what uh, I was thinking the same thing in my mind. I'm like, are we jumping between stories? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we'll carry on. <laughs> the female space breeds, man. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. The great weight of those power fists for too long, no matter how many stims she injected beforehand. The rush of the combat drugs seemed to be fading now, her pupils shrinking to a more sensible size and a breathing coming harder than ever. Blood starting to flow freely from the little cut she had gained along her arms, her legs, her back. Not that it made her bow uh, blows any less dangerous he reminded himself skipping sideways as he left hooked as her left hook skim passes a uh, limp right arm slamming into the bulgren shield behind him and driving it a step back with with the force it would have been much easier to shoot her than wait for an opening in her boxer's stance he knew but she had elected not to bring a gun and so he would yeah we must have jumped here because now there's no gun um, yeah, I know. I, I suddenly realized that too. And then talking about fellow officers and Ogrins, how she's uh, an Imperial Guard major. Interesting. I'm going to just keep reading it as was submitted and, you know, let's go. She goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he took a few quick jabs with his left sword, the shorter blade true, but a blow to the shoulder shoulder at the start. When he'd been cocky and rash, he had let the longer drop, he had let his longer drop from dead fingers, so it'd have to do. She clumsily dodged the fist, turned aside the second with the back of her crackling gauntlet. But the third slid neatly into her arm at the elbow, and with a delicate flick severed the forearm. She staggered back, staring at it in horror, perhaps not even feeling the pain yet. A quick cut took her head off between the jaws, so that she would so that she never would. The roaring of the Bulgrims and her fellow officers shifted rapidly from hope to dismay to anger. The faint hum of charging weapons or the clatter of red readied ones 
echoing around the circle. It was a shame, Tatatri's thought, for them to soil the mood of her violent performance like this. But there is nothing to do about it now. Put them down, he ordered into, into his Vox speed. The sky gained a splat. The sky gained a splattered of dark spots like rain. Heavy, murderous metal rain. The lines of captured civilians were led by the dozens onto the landing craft of all across the line. Any of the Xenos who disagreed with the decree of their leaders was executed on the spot. Their corpses strung up alongside the processions as a reminder to the others to listen. Not all of the losers' forces were being taken, of course. The commanders who were still alive were allowed to keep a skeleton crew enough to give them a chance. It was, after all, the honorable thing to do. Captain Tetrades watched the small, orderly lines from a distance as the apothecary tended to his wounds. These Tau, he heard, were little of little interest to the denizens of the warp, but they may still fetch a price as food or labor somewhere within the eye. Coupled with the somewhat small numbers of their new cargo due to the small size of their target, it was rather disappointing haul if you looked at it with greed in your heart. But Tetrades wasn't focused on the lines of slaves or the ordered blocks of those they'd be leaving behind. His mind was replaying the duel, every move he and his opponent had made, every subtle hint of motion, every sign of an attack, of each remembered twitch concocting a new counter, a different plan. He sat there and he watched, he learned. And we waited. Okay, so now they're Tau? Yeah. So I, I uh, maybe these are three mm. separate stories. You know, look at them like that. And yeah, Tatartris comes in between them all. But still, he's like referencing that same fight. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, are these three different duels with three opponents? Mm-hmm. Because the first he describes is like, now he doesn't explicitly say it works. But, you know, bolted metal, green skin. War boss, though. Says war boss. Yeah. Green skin. And I was like, is he, is he talking about a female? My mind went like, is he talking about a female orc? And we shifted perspective. Yeah. To a female war boss. But then, like, the female looks like she's some kind of Imperial Guard it, commander. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So... What was interesting about this was I really liked the writing style. Like he did a great job of describing everything, but yeah, like I can't, I can't actually follow it. I can't follow it. Yeah. No, I'm very much, I'm trying to make sense of what we just read. Yeah. Cause you know, even if they're three step separate stories, the first two paragraphs are definitely the same story, you know, the drop pod and then. So what I think this could be, and I could be wrong is if you've ever seen, like, I forget what you call it, almost like a montage. Mm-hmm. So he's remembering a bunch of different duels he had, and he's, like, using the information from one duel to inform the next duel, which is kind of like the theme at the end where he sat there and he watched, he learned, and he waited. He's watching his own memories. I see. But I, I could be wrong. That's that's how I'm kind of, like, retroactively looking at this. Yeah. Yeah, um, also, but that's a problem. Is spelled differently various times. So. <laughs> it doesn't help with that. Yeah. That's just with a D or a T. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, very interesting standalone things for sure, but combined, who knows? Let's carry on. There's a little bit more uh, kind of just like notes that he's written. So the nitty gritty details. This section will contain details of the sanguine Aegeus that I couldn't find a place to bring up in a short story and maybe clarify some things while I'm at it. The warband themselves, coronate worshiping group of Emperor's Children Origin, split off from them not long after the Siege of Terror, not failing, falling to the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll aesthetic. In M41, now takes in Marines regardless of gene sire, provided they're deemed good enough at stabbing people in the face. Yeah, sure. Heavily focused on honor dueling, but not above a little wanton mass slaughter to keep the sword arms firm. Warband is actually spread out all over the place, traveling in single, single ships, really small fleets, looking for the next fight will reluctantly work with other warbands and slink away from any of the really big players. Don't feel any dreadnoughts and resist being interred in them, preferring to die a warrior's death from injuries than claim the advantage of being a walking tank. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And I I didn't even get the impression that we were talking about Chaos. I was thinking they were Lilith. Yeah, me too. No no indication until just now. But I guess that makes sense why they're fighting like those Bolalgrins and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and doing some kind of honor duels. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, also, coronate worshipping Emperor's Children. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Slanish is the god of excess. So if you're killing very excessively, you're yeah. in his good graces. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like when people kind of break the mold a little bit. Don't go yeah. crazy with it, but definitely there's no reason... There's Emperor's Children that wouldn't turn to other Chaos Gods. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, cool. even just with like the honor doing dueling, that's like very Emperor's Children-esque, but that's also very Corn. you know? Like Corn yep. does have that like noble aspect of, about him where, yeah, they don't want to be a walking tank because they want a fair fight. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like the character involved with, with the chapter. All right, what they do will latch onto and follow other armies around, but rarely get involved in actual frontline combat. Instead, they hang about until they locate a target, typically the headquarters of one side or another, and send in a champion and a squad of bodyguards, be it by teleport or draw pods, or just falling with a with a jump pack. Oh, actually, that kind of reminds me, going back to the story, because in the beginning we talked about them setting up for a drop pod assault, Yeah, and suddenly we jump to a teleportation. Oh, um, so again, I think that goes back to like the montage idea. Yeah, where, where we're starting like before lesson. a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he's just like ad- adapting the lessons learned from each duel. Cool. Um, champions can be anybody from the chapter, from a captain to a basic mook, and they can bring whatever weapons they so desire. Thunder hammers, lightning claws, anything goes. Even coming in in, in Terminator armor or simple flak jacket, if that makes things more fair slash fun. They'll declare their stake. They'll declare their stakes, typically wanting to take large chunks of a loser's forces as slaves. But it may sometimes just be a ship from the loser's fleet, or their surrender if the SA have been bullied into working with another warband. Then the two chosen fighters do get out. Winner takes all. 
If the opposing side cheats by having outside help, say, or pussies out of the declared stakes, then a whole bunch more Marines come down and shit stomp the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we went from a very poetic writing to... <laughs> Yeah. Assuming the sanguine Aegis is victorious, they'll take whatever their declared spoils are and leave, always sticking to the letter of their stake. Assuming they do take a bunch of slaves, they're used for all that usual shit, dark rituals for corn, trading within the Eye of Terror, etc. But they may also be used for either combat practice if they're actually strong specimens, or gifted to the onboard dark mech goobers so they can be fed to the warp guards. See below keeping the defensive and regenerative powers of them chugging along or just making new ones. If the previous ones get ass blasted, <laughs> <laughs> if they lose, they'll accept basically any stake, be it that be it the destruction of their particular little group or fighting alongside the people they tried to. Interesting. Um, I kind of like some of this stuff, but some of it might not necessarily be practical. I don't see like ultramarines, agreeing to a fair duel with whatever consequences they yeah on um, yeah so i was kind of only thinking to work within other semi-honorable chaos of war bands yeah and like even like setting up that whole orc war boss thing like how do you do Take that orc plays. <laughs> i mean orcs might actually go for it if you kill their war boss yeah yeah yeah, yeah. maybe maybe <laughs> but yeah like well, someone like tau like a bunch of you just kill. Let's say you kill Farsight. A bunch of tower just gonna be like, okay, I guess we're your slaves now. I guess we're your slaves now. Shucks. Yeah. yeah. So I I I like it, but I just think it might not be practical in a yeah. lot of circumstances. The one thing he did kind of briefly say is that he does avoid the main players. So then, if you like, kind of take it to like the deep streets or like underbelly and you know, kind of the less explored areas, like you're doing deals with elder corsairs and you know maybe there's a hive world that you have a cultist from and you know you're doing stuff with them a little bit i yeah when, it can work in some scenarios that's some it's just yeah. not universal definitely not um and they do it does seem that he does work it into their their lore that they do hang on the fringes and kind of look for those yeah. kinds of fights too so yeah yeah um take that as you will Take that as gonna make another comment, but I can't. Remember. Oh, you basic mook, as he would write. <laughs> All right, talk about the war gear. Yeah, specialized war gear. Contender steals, essentially knockoff versions of the custode sentinel blades, a bolt pistol mounted at the base of a power sword. The craftsmanship is obviously not on the same level, but with the level of training the Sanguine Aegeus bring the application comes across rather similarly. Wielded either with a warp guard for holding the line or with both a long or short version, more common on elected champions. Warp guards. Used in the same way as storm shields, but instead of being made of ancient powerful tech, consists of a thick sheet of bone coated in metal, then covered in a thinner layer of decorative, decorative ceramide. Made from the body of assorted sacrifices and powered by demon magic, able to withstand a good amount of damage and even repair themselves a little bit, but need to be regularly fed to keep the powers up. <laughs> so it's a demon shield. <laughs> yeah, you also misread that. It wasn't metal. It's 
sheet of bone coated in meat. Meat, you're right. And oh then God. covered in a thinner layer of decorative ceramite. <laughs> so that's why it needs to heal <laughs> and requires to, or it needs to be fed. <laughs> so that's grotesque, but seems on, uh, on the on, level. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a cool concept. Of yeah, the I like shield. it. I mean, I, I don't like, like it, but... It's plausible, is what I mean. I personally <laughs> would not wield a meat shield. Unless it's no, you're more of a meat thing. baton wielder, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I've been known to get around <laughs> in the Dark Eldar clubs. Um, I remembered my comment. I was going to say, I do appreciate their level of honor, that they hold themselves to their own word, including like letting themselves get decimated. Yeah, that would be an interesting story to see that and have that as the warning, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, we just lost 50 Space Marines because this guy sucked at honor dueling. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like that they, they will hold their, oh, at least hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. The, the Their blades, too. Um, there's nothing wrong with unique war gear. No. No, like we have power fists with bolters on them. We got lightning claws with bolters on them. You know, there's all types. The gun sword is the next evolution of combat. <laughs> yes. I hear the U.S. Army is experimenting with uh, <laughs> technology. Of course, of course. Yeah, that was the final thing he wrote there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very cool. I liked a lot of it. Um, yeah, definitely the the beginning could be cleared up a little bit just those spaces of how it kind of transitions a little bit better um but like i said i really like yeah. the writing style yeah the 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 actual wording that's used is great yeah it's just the uh the overall big picture layout is not clear <laughs> um i think it it sometimes if you write i don't know i'm not a professional writer by any stretch but like if you're writing with almost like you're trying to, to show a movie but you don't add qualifiers so people know if there's transitions mm. so again like i think and i could be totally off base but i think that's what he's kind of picturing is like a montage yeah which yeah if you would if you scripted this for visuals it would make sense yeah maybe yeah translate so well without some some kind of qualifier to to show a scene change or or something yeah, yeah exactly it just gets really confusing yeah um yeah well thank you so much for submitting it it was a cool read um if you guys have lore that you want to submit you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com and if you want to support the show on patreon you can go to lorehammer listener lore and throw me and christopherson a buck or two always nice you got to throw a buck or two otherwise i won't be here for long yeah, Mark exactly. promised me a big paycheck out of this. <laughs> oh man, I the only, only reason I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I promised them some money, and any uh, all my Warhammer goes to you when I die. Those were the two things. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, that's that one. We'll see you guys all next week with a couple more Warhammer listener lore. Adios. Later. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email 
lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.